welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, where all things football are injected right to your veins. With your hosts, Matt Donnelly, Calvin Shoemake, and Jeff Mueller. And welcome to episode 35 of the Dynasty Vipers Viper Cast. And we have a special show for you today. We've got the uh, conference championships coming up. We've got the draft coming up. So who better to bring on the show than at Fancy Points very own and the creator of uh, Yards Created, Graham Barfield. Thanks for coming in with us today, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. That uh, that intro was, was incredible. That was an incredible intro. I feel very... Uh, I, don't know, I feel pumped now. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, I don't know what the vocals in the intro. This, this snake's pretty cool. That was our buddy there, Fenero, kind of put that all together for us. So uh, we, we want to try and legitimize ourselves as a show. We almost look legit. So we got to kind of fake it till we make it. So hopefully we fool a few people along the way and maybe provide a little bit of content to keep bringing people in. So uh, like I said, it's exciting to have you on here. Um, I have to admit right off the get-go, when it comes to numbers, I'm not very intelligent. Uh, analytics has not been my friend. I've I've had Peter Howard try to Peter Howard tried to give me the old uh, analytics for dummies kind of experience, which I failed miserably. But he tries. I try to learn. But I found with the yards created, it's actually pretty easy to understand. Probably harder to put together and chart, but easy for the reader to understand. So it's something I actually use in my uh, pre-draft process as well. So especially when it comes to the running back position, which I think the – I don't want to compare to reception perception, but it's kind of like the college football version of Matt Harmon's reception perception. Am I on target for saying that? Yeah, absolutely. First and foremost, don't sell yourself too short because you did really well in the Kings Classic this year. On, on uh, <laughs> uh, I, think, I think you beat me in round one, so don't, don't sell yourself too short on, on not being a data guy for sure. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely – I definitely ripped off Matt Harmon, and he knows this. I actually I, – I remember I first started thinking about yards created. I went to him first uh, because there really wasn't a metric for um, – like a catch-all metric for running backs, you know, every every year you always hear, oh, this guy has, uh, you know, he's great at forcing missed tackles. You know, this guy creates after first contact, whatever. But there wasn't really a great free data point at the time. And now there's a lot more data, obviously, between PFF and uh, player profile, and you know, a lot of great sources out there. But uh, but yeah, definitely ripped off Matt Harmon for sure, like 100. <laughs> percent Well, if you're gonna rip off someone with analytics and numbers, Matt Harmon is not a bad guy to do. No, no. <laughs> I wish you were still doing uh doing college stuff for sure, but uh his his NFL work is is phenomenal. It's really, really good. And um and yeah. Jeff, do you got anything you want to add there real quick while I uh try and catch yeah. up on the show sheet real quick? I gotta be honest, I'm fanboying a little bit because uh especially so I wasn't really big into Dynasty until um probably early this year, January, February. Um, and one of the first profiles that I started finding was your yards created. It's fantastic. Yeah. So thanks. I just want to, thanks man. Just want to thank you. Yeah, of course. Just want to yeah. thank you for coming on. And Yeah. It's, it's cool, man. Like um, I would never expected when I first started doing it, I never expected it to do as well as, it, as it's done. Um, it just kind of turned into like 
you know, I started doing this as a hobby back my sophomore year of college, junior year of college, somewhere in that time frame. And over spring break, I started just charting guys. And it used to be, you know, you couldn't get all 22. Now it's a lot more accessible. Um, actually need to find a new source. So uh, definitely need to find a new source for all 22. But anyway, um, yeah, just was like, you know, so over spring break, I was thinking, you know, what's the best way to kind of encapsulate, um, you know, uh, running backs, not necessarily separate a running back from his offensive line because that's never possible. I don't think you, you kind of can't, it's really hard to divorce offensive line play from running back play, but I think yards created does a pretty good job of it in the sense that like, especially for college runners, a lot of their stuff is schemed. So like, you know, one of the biggest uh, case studies I think for yards created has been Darrell Henderson. Um, he had just like massive numbers at Memphis's final year. And obviously, you know, did not do very well his rookie year, but you finally saw it this year, the light bulb kind of came on. Um, but yeah, no yards created, you know, I think, um, I think in general for like the NFL, I think yards created is, is a lot harder to kind of parse out in a sense, because, um, you know, as like we see in the NFL, there's just way like fewer rushing lanes, you know, like the, the rushing lanes are a lot more condensed. The field is a lot more condensed. It's kind of a totally different game in a way. So Graham, I want to step back a little bit because um, to put together this show, Matt sent us a, a uh, kind of like who Graham is, which was really funny because obviously I feel like we all know who you are. But I thought it was a really interesting note in here that you started playing fantasy sports at 11 years old. That is a really fascinating. I, I'm really curious when you started, like, is that something I, I have a son who started about the same age and was just really fascinated by it. But of course, you know, like I love it. And he kind of got into it for me. Is that something that was like a family thing for you? Do you remember much about like those drafts or like who you were, who's on your team or anything like that? Uh, I started playing, yeah, it would have been sixth grade with a couple buddies. Um, it was a four man league. Have no idea who I remember <laughs> drafting. <laughs> yeah, it was a four man league, man. Don't, don't besmirch the four man leagues. No. Um, yeah, started playing in, in middle school. Um, I, my longest standing lead is actually with my dad and one of our family friends. Um, and sh actually shout out to Eric Greggs. He's the guy who runs the league every year and he's won it, I think three years in a row. He's probably one of the best fantasy players I've ever played against, but, uh, yeah, that was my, yeah, it's probably my longest standing league. Um, I don't know, man. I've just, I've always loved sports. Like if I weren't doing fantasy, I, I hope I would be doing something in sports. Um, whether it's, you know, slaving away in a, in an office somewhere working for, you know, for working for a team or whatever. But, um, but yeah, no, fantasy has just always kind of been a, um, a part of my life in one way or another. Yeah. Did, did you always lean towards football or was there, you know, did you, did you play the baseball, the basketball, all the other stuff too? Yeah. Baseball is definitely my first love um, for sure. And I, you know, it's weird. It's like a lot of fantasy football um, writers. That's usually Scott Barrett. That was actually his first love too, is, was baseball, um, which makes sense. I mean, baseball is such a numbers driven game. I mean, especially now you don't even have to watch the games anymore to like be the most educated. Um, right baseball baseball guy in the room but yeah definitely play i played baseball throughout middle school and high and uh i always loved the nfl for sure but but baseball is definitely my first passion i don't know how comfortable i am with kelvin asking these questions i put on the sheet there that sounds like a fact checking going straight to the source we don't, <laughs> we don't fact check around here usually i just throw some numbers out there and hope people believe and buy into what i'm doing but uh, i've also got it on good um uh good knowledge that uh, you're more of a 
well, let's see here. How's the best way? You you didn't throw hard, but you had some off speed stuff you could get get across the plate there. Is that what my understanding? <laughs> I actually could throw hard. It's the off speed stuff that opposite. sucked. Yeah, it's yeah, the that's opposite. Back checking right there. <laughs> I could throw reasonably hard, um, but no, uh, my curveball was a, a disaster. I I could never locate it. Uh, that's why I always I, I was like the setup man for. Um, I was a setup man for the closer, so I'd come in and, and throw as hard as I possibly could for an inning and then, you know, hopefully not give up a shit ton of runs. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just kind of go over this here. Like, uh, I'm looking here, and I've never written for anyone big. Like, it, it's been the Dynasty Vipers, and that's about it for me. Um, that and the fact that I can pick and choose when I write, and I hate writing. and I'm not very good at it, let's be honest. I'm not even a very good podcast host, but I still go out there and I do it. But... <laughs> You started with Fantasy Guru. Then you you also had a stint there with DLF, the NFL Network, Roto World, and now basically you are co-owner, founder of Fantasy Points and the director of analytics, which comes to numbers that I don't quite understand half the time. But, I mean, you're not a very old individual to be accomplishing this much in a short period of time. It has to say a lot about your drive and your desire to be one of the best in the business, so to speak. And I think your work shows that in itself. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's definitely been, you know, the last eight years have, have been in, kind of crazy in a way. I never, I never expected it to, to, um, to lead to this. I mean, to be able to own a site with, you know, my friends basically uh, and run it has, has been crazy. And it, the first year was phenomenal, but um, yeah, man, I actually started, I started writing on a free blog that I created and it was the worst thing you've ever read like if you ever go back and read it like it's it, it would be em embarrassing i don't even know if it's still on the internet i probably took it off but uh yeah needed to get good i met up with uh i got a job with number fire back in 2014 uh and jj zacharyson who's still the editor-in-chief there he was a huge part of like kind of mentoring me and how to um i don't know make make i've always been good with data um but make the the data that I was spitting out like way easier to read and way more concise. Um, so he was huge for, for uh, uh, my, I guess my development as a writer for sure. Um, and then went to Roto world, um, worked with Evan Silva and Adam Levitan for a bit before Roto world kind of has turned into what it's turned into now, unfortunately, but yeah, um, it's been a trip, man. I I've worked with some really cool people and learned a lot along the way. And I kind of feel like, um, you know, as a, as a writer and a creator, a lot of the work that I've done is also, it's been like a lot of trial and error on my part, but also just like a learning from a lot of really smart people around me for sure too. Well, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the fancy points, friends of yours, the co-owners and this and that, and it really is a who's who of fantasy sports, Joe Dolan, Tom Broly, John Hanson, who is Calvin's dad's favorite. Um, hey. You mentioned, and then you've got some pretty Adam, Adam Kaplan and Greg Cosell. They're right on the whole thing too. These are guys. If you've turned your TV on, you I'm sure you've seen them somewhere on TV at some point as well. And then John Proctor. When you talk DFS, he's in the conversation as one of the best DFS guys in the business as well. Like this is an all-star cast. I can go on and on with the names that are involved in this, but the material, the knowledge. You talk about learning from the Evan Silva Silvas and the. Adam Levitans and your experience with the NFL network and all these names that come through. You've seen a thing or two about a thing or two through a th person or two, so to speak. Like 
it's quite the impressive list here. And like, I think the most important thing is you, you're good friends with Scott Baird. You guys kind of put this venture together. And like I said, these guys are all guys you could bounce ideas off of. Um, when you're struggling to understand something, they've got a little bit of knowledge too to help out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I mean, mentioned uh, Greg Cosell. We actually have a, a draft guide coming out. So last year we launched in April um, and we wanted to like kind of beef up a Greg Cosell draft guide. We've got that coming out, which he's, I mean, I think Greg's already like knee deep in like 50 different prospects watching like interior defensive linemen from like, I don't know, Wichita state or some shit. I don't even know if they have a college football team, but you know, he's, he's already grinding for the, uh, he's already grinded for the draft guide um, this year for sure. And it's, it's been uh, definitely a labor of love between all of us, uh, you know, the whole crew and, and, and trying to get the product out. Yeah, and one of, as a as the injury guy for Dynasty Vipers, one of my um, favorite followers oh. there too is Edwin. Yeah. Oh, he's the man. He's the nicest yeah. dude ever, and he's so so sharp. Like he is so so nice. Yeah. And then you look through his comments, and people are just trashing him on some of his posts. Like what? That's Twitter. <laughs> oh, that's Twitter, for- dude. That's Twitter mm-hmm. these days. That that's is one hundred percent Twitter these days. It's like it used to be fantasy. The fantasy community, like it still is a great community. Don't get me wrong, but like yeah. 2016, you would not see the vitriol and the the negativity. And now it's, it's out in full force. Cause Edwin is genuinely like the nicest guy ever. He would give you his yeah. shirt off his back, like 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, we so, like to make sure we hit on questions here. So I'll come back to you here, Jeff in a second, but Bob Gilchrist, who kind of does a lot of the graphics for us. He says, he notices the title is tab. How often do you play and what's your handicap? And I know when I read your profile, that is some golf is a big part of your life. Like you, you love your golf. Yeah, man, I'm I, I I'm terrible at it. Uh, my handicap is the max, um, but I go out there and hack it. My biggest problem is I can't hit a driver to save my life. Like I can hit it far, I just have no clue where it's going. My short game's not bad, but uh, yeah, handicap is 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 pretty bad. Um, yeah, I'm, I actually love PGA DFS. I don't know if you guys have ever played or ventured into into golf or watch golf at all, but uh, yeah, PGA DFS is a lot of fun, and I'm glad the season's starting up here again. Man, I did see uh, Tiger. Tiger had another surgery for herniated disc. It's fifth Michael one, dude. Yeah, it's fifth one. I'm really hoping he can come back and and somehow beat the odds again. But yeah, oh my god, he's 45, fifth back it's surgery, tough. dude. It's pretty cool seeing him out there with his son, though. That's for sure. Yeah, that was pretty. And his son has like the same exact swing he has. It's wild. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. And his son's already a better golfer than I'll ever be. So there's always oh. that. No okay. doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I, I, so everyone knows I'm incredibly frugal. I'm the cheapest person you're ever going to meet. But when I go golfing, if I'm going to pay X amount of dollars, I'm going to use the whole dang golf course. I'm going to use the right <laughs> side of the fairway. I'm going to use the left side. Anyone can go up the middle. That's easy. I want to use the whole golf course and get my money's worth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, well, for me, I like to get my money's worth, too, and lose all my balls in the water. So, I mean, there you go. Get that, too. <laughs> Oh, yeah, so this is a great comment from Taylor, Taylor mm-hmm. Cornell. So, hey, Graham, what's a piece of advice you'd give for how to clearly communicate data in writing? Yeah, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the number one thing, you're not writing the odyssey, okay? You, <laughs> the, the number one thing you got to think about is how do I deliver this in as concise of a way as possible? Um, that's something I still struggle with for what it's worth. And I think it's, it's something every writer um, struggles with in a sense is, is being concise. Um, what's the, what is the quickest path for your reader to understand the data that you're putting out there 
and make it make sense to be like, click. And, oh, that's something that's going to, you know, stick with me. And I'll remember this when I'm setting my lineup or I'll remember this when I'm making a trade or I'll remember this when I'm, you know, making my DFS lineups on Saturday night. You know, I think, I think being concise and, and understand that like all of our attention span, attention spans are total shit now. I mean, we can only process like 400 words at a time. Um, even, ah, shit, I, I can hardly even process 400 words at a time. I mean, so I, I would definitely say be concise and also don't try to beat people over the head with too much data. Like that's something I've struggled with too with my, in my writing is um, you definitely want to have your, most of your analysis be data driven and not feel driven. Um, but too much data is, is definitely a problem too. When did you, and that really was a great question from Taylor. I think that's something that is 100%. just, yeah, is, is awesome. Um, was there a moment <clears throat> that you realized that with this yards created that you had something like, was there something where you were like, it was like going through your brain, you were trying to figure out how to communicate what was going on in there. And then like, it was like, aha, this is it. Yeah. I think, I think just intuitively, like if you just, especially like I said, for co the college game, because the hash marks are wider, right? It is a different game. And I think just intuitively, if you're watching a game and you're, and you're watching, um, let's just take, I, I don't know, JK Dobbins last year, like he was so good at getting to the second level because the Ohio state's offensive line is, is really good, but it's also a give and take of, you know, he's always making the right choice. Like he's always understanding where the blocks are set up. His feet are always in the right place. His head's always in the right place. Um, I think intuitively, just intuitively with yards created, it, it makes sense because it's basically a second level yard stat. I mean, football outsiders does something similar. I, I, I'm not sure if, I don't think they chart it, but um, yeah, I, I would say like probably the second year that I did it, it kind of clicked because that for the first class that I did, it was really like Ezekiel Elliott and that was it. Uh, mm. We had CJ Procise, who is still still kicking around the league. I love CJ Procise. He was like the first guy I wrote up. Um, I thought he was going to be a beast, but uh, injuries are a bitch. Anyway, um, yeah, I think it was I think it was that second class where it started kind of clicking, and I started getting much much better at charting the guys and uh, and understanding you know what's second level yards and what's not. So that kind of brings like we talked about this charting process and. Uh... I don't think people understand. I'm going to kind of jump ahead to the actual grind because I know you haven't quite got there yet. I'm going to ask you questions about this year's running back class and how that's going to pertain here. But I, you haven't quite gotten to the part where you're evaluating the 2020 class as of yet. How much film? Like, what is the how? How are you consumed by the all 22 or whatever you're using to chart? Because you pick like what? five, six games of a certain running back, and then you chart every single run that they have. Like, tell, tell everyone what goes into this charting process, because this is not just, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to watch some film, and I'm going to say if this guy can do this or not. Yeah. Um, so every year I watch, God, it turns out to be like close to 1,500 to 2,000 carries, and I'm also watching passing down snaps too. Um, it's usually six games. I try to get to seven uh, this year is going to be weird because, like, it was a COVID year, obviously, and Ohio State only played, like, a couple games. Um, so it'll be interesting. I might have to go back into the well for some of these guys for 2019 tape. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's – man, I, in terms of total hours, I don't even know I don't even know if I could calculate really what it is. Um, 
some days I'm just watching one guy for like, you know, eight hours, three games, and then, you know, finishing them up the next day. Um, sometimes I'll just watch one game and, and just, you know, kind of get in the grind. But usually, usually it's kind of like I get into a mode um, where I can like, you know, just watch three games in a row, chart them all, uh, take a break and like do something just totally different, play a video game, go for a run, whatever, just get my mind off of football. Uh, but that's usually the process. And then, you know, um, most of February is, is watching games. So that's really what it comes down to March. I start trying to write a little bit um, uh, and then, you know, kind of get back to maybe a couple guys that I missed or a couple guys that popped at the combine or whatever that I need to go back and reevaluate. Uh, but usually I start at the top of the class, you know, like last year it was Jonathan Taylor first, Cam Akers, you know, DeAndre Swift, all the, the top end guys. Then like, you know, I added in like Darrington Evans once he started getting a little bit of buzz, uh, added in AJ Dillon when he started getting a little bit of buzz, he had a good combine. Um, so really just kind of, it, it goes from the top and then I just start sprinkling in, um, you know, guys I, I might've missed or somebody will, you know, somebody will DM me and be like, Hey, have you seen this guy? And I'll be like, no, let me watch him or whatever. Um, so that's usually a process. So here's the big question then when, and I grind film, I use that term very loosely because let's face it, I, I turn it on. I walk away. I chase a child. I got more <laughs> fantasy championships. Um, yeah, he's, but, got, he's not kidding. He's got 14 kids. Wow. Yeah. Not in the whole thing. <laughs> When you're watching that film, because you, you're specifically watching one guy, how hard is it to avoid getting squirreled? Because I know what, if I flip on tape and I'm watching, say like <laughs> last year, if I'm watching Justin Jefferson, all of a sudden Jamar Chase is going to pull my attention yeah. and I'm not even watching yeah. Jefferson anymore. I'm like, Dude. and then you're like, oh, crap. Now I got to go back and I got to rechart X amount of plays because I totally miss it. So that was actually – what kept happening with uh, Eno Benjamin. I added Eno Benjamin. He was like one of the last guys I charted last year. And Brandon Ayuk was just getting wide open on just, just with ease. And like, I get it in college football. It's so much easier to get wide open. You know, these guys are schemed into, into space and all that. Uh, but Brandon Ayuk was one guy that I just, I think I ended up drafting him on four of my six teams last year, just strictly because I, especially when he got drafted by the Niners because it was such a perfect fit. I mean, you know, watching, you know, Benjamin, I'm sorry, you know, but uh, Brandon Ayuk was definitely one of those guys for me that, that caught my eye. I could not stop watching. Um, I think there was, there was one other guy, just his name slipped my mind, but yeah, that's that, Ayuk was definitely the, the, the guy last year that kept, uh, kept popping for me. Yeah, I know that happens to me all the time. I, I, I get squirreled. I get sidetracked really easily. So for me to focus on one guy, it's difficult. And when you're watching, especially a running back, you're still paying attention to that offensive line and because you need to see exactly how those yards are created. So, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how you do it. Dude, I, I, I have, like, yeah, I, I usually am watching the same place five to six times, unless it's like just a clear cut, like this, the hole was blown, this left guard blew his assignment, whatever, and he gets blown up in the backfield. Most of the time I'm watching a play like, five or six times. Um, and it's made, it's made like with, with all 22 and having end zone views, it's definitely made it easier. Cause like the first year I did this, I was watching on YouTube and that was not good. The process has definitely gotten a lot better um, with the more availability out there. So how are yards created? Are we looking at where first contact comes in? Are we talking mm -hmm. about yards after contact? What, how does that equation all factor in? Can you tell 
the people that are watching exactly what goes into that process. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so it's not after first contact. So PFF does a really good job with their before and after contact stuff. Um, part of the reason I started Yards Created was because I think there's a little bit of like nuance in between after contact, before contact. I mean, if you like tap Nick Chubb on his leg, is that after contact? Is that what we're, we're talking about? Like he's going to break through that 99% of the time. Um, Yards Created is, is definitely a, a little more nuanced than that. What I typically do is depending on the play i'll you know just intuitively map out okay this isn't they're in a man or zone blocking scheme and then i'm like okay after the offensive line either has executed what they're supposed to be doing in terms of their assignments has the where does where does the yards credit start and it's usually usually right when they get to that second level and start making you know second level defenders miss, they have a gaping hole, whatever the case may be. Um, that's why it's really important, I think, to have, you know, to go back and, and watch the, you know, same plays over and over again to make sure you're getting it exactly precise. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not after contact, um, which sometimes um, ends up being the case um, where you'll have, you know, like for Cam Akers, for example, like last year, I was watching Cam Akers, a lot of his yards created ended up being basically after contact yards just because Florida State's offensive line was so trash and they just kept getting demolished at the point of attack. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit different from after contact in the sense that, you know, a guy can start creating his yards before he gets touched. If that makes sense. So is there, do you do any carryover from, because I, I know you do a lot of the rookie profiles. Mm -hmm do you look at like the first year? So you, you look at your rookie profiles and then see how they perform first year, second year, third year. Um, are you talking like charting guys when they're freshmen or charting guys when they're sophomores? Or are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. At the NFL level. So, oh. so like, yes, yeah, so like looking okay. at it. So I, you had a phenomenal breakdown on, on Daryl Henderson and then really good breakdown on, on Cam Akers. Do you then later on go down and look at, okay, how is this going to carry over where, like we saw acres blow up and right. everyone's just dismissing Daryl Henderson now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, with running backs in the NFL, it's so landing spot dependent. Um, at times I feel like, you know, the yards created is amazing and it's, it's, it's like a really cool tool, especially um, how predictive I did not expect it to be predictive. I went into this thinking it would just be purely like descriptive stat. Um, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, down the line, like, I've definitely had some hits and misses like John Kelly was one for sure. Um, he had some red flags coming out though. Like, you know, he was a one-year starter. There was some turmoil for sure too. I mean, they had Jalen Hurd, um, not turmoil, but uh, they had some guys in the backfield that were, you know, he's competing for snaps with Jalen Hurd, Alvin Kamara. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely try to um, remove after, you know, for example, like Zeke Elliott, everybody, everybody knew Zeke was an awesome prospect and he was going to work out in Dallas, but it's not always that clear cut. So I always do try to remove like out outcomes, NFL outcomes from, I guess the college yards created, if that makes sense, because Henderson by the process was a phenomenal prospect. Um, and same with Antonio Gibson. I mean, I didn't end up getting to chart enough carries just because we didn't have enough sample size, but, mm. um, but yeah. So Jeff, um, earlier today, this so speaking of 12 year old, this is my 12 year old. 
Uh, Taysom Hill fan number one. <laughs> the Saints. Um, he saw your rankings, and somehow he he even though he's a huge Saints fan, he loves the Tennessee Titans and their offense. And he saw your AJ Brown number one. I showed it to him on uh, Twitter, and it just so happens we were arguing Justin Jefferson and CD Lamb earlier this week. So he loved that you had Jefferson ahead of CD Lamb too, and uh, I was just, arguing the other way. Just keep in mind if you're still watching, what, what's his name again? Eli. 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 If you're still watching, just remember I am a complete amateur, and everyone follows me for my injury advice, not my fantasy advice. Oh no, and you Eli, stand for life right there. Get to bed. <laughs> Um, Graham, I, I have a question. I guess I'll, you know, just ask this. I don't know if this is, this is very different from the question we've already, we've already asked here, but it has to do with your yards created. Is, is there a time where you were charting someone and you were like, this is the worst running back I've ever seen. How does he get carries ever? <laughs> um, man, I don't no, no one really pops to mind, like off the top of my head. Um, gosh, I kind of. I never really liked Bo Scarborough, to be honest with you. I mean, he, everybody kind of gave him the Derrick Henry comparison because he was big and kind of fast, but um, he was strictly a product of uh, that offensive line. Um, yeah, Bo Scarborough is probably, probably the worst running back prospect I've charted. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else. The yards credit never really liked Ronald Jones because he's like a true home run hitter. So he had some like he had some runs where uh, he just like would run into a brick wall and just not see things well. And he's still like that in the NFL. He's definitely gotten better, uh, especially in terms of his footwork. Ronald Jones' footwork has gotten a lot better. But um, Jones was a prospect that that yards credit did not like coming out for sure. Uh, but yeah, Scarborough is probably the number one guy. Where I was like, wow, this guy is. He, he was starting to get a little buzz too. I remember. Uh, and back in 2018 too. So Scarborough's probably the guy. Matt, you're okay, on mute. So, I'm, yeah, no, I'm usually good for that once or twice a show. Uh, <laughs> just to kind of touch base, we know that, that John Kelly may have been the biggest miss in the model, so to speak. Yeah. Um, two questions here. Who is your biggest hit? And I don't mean like, yeah, Ezekiel, we all knew he was going to hit. But who's that guy that maybe – that the rest of draft Twitter was down on a la James Robinson, but all of a sudden the model's like, Hey, this guy's got a fantastic model. Like you guys need to be getting on this guy for the draft, but no one else is in on him. Who's that guy? Yeah. Um, same class. I'll give to Alvin Kamara and Kareem hunt were two guys that I loved coming out. Um, Kamara, I took, it took me some time to kind of warm up to him, but once I got into the data and stuff, he was really good. He's still ninth all time in yards created per attempt, obviously was a great receiver coming out. Um, and that's the number one thing that I'm looking for coming out of college now is like, you know, can you immediately make an impact in the passing game? Um, so Kamara was, was one guy that yards credit, yards credit identified. And then Kareem Hunt, um, his missed tackle numbers were incredible. Um, don't have him in front of me, but I, I still think he's like, I think he's like fifth all time in your uh, missed tackles force per attempt among like the 60 or so guys that I've charted uh, was a phenomenal inside runner to at Toledo. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I get asked a lot is like, you know, do you adjust for, do you adjust for the defense and the, you know, um, the, the level of competition? It's like, not really, because in college football, like, you know, 
Ohio State still plays these scrub schools and J.K. Dobbins and Ezekiel Elliott's of the world. They're always going to go nuts against him. Like with Kareem Hunt, like he balled out and was the best player on the field um, every game he played in. It didn't matter if they were playing Ball State or whatever. Like he was the best player on the field. And that shows up not only just like intuitively watching the games, but just in the data too. And I love you bring up the small school players because we do typically uh, as a whole – discard competition. If you're playing like in the Mac guys like Jared Patterson are probably going to get knocked down a little bit just because of the quality of competition, much like James Robinson did. Bottom line is what James Robinson did in college, maybe one of the most impressive running backs of all time kind of thing based on numbers. Yeah. He didn't play high quality competition, but if you're going to play well in the NFL, you need to dominate the competition, whether it's good competition or mediocre competition. If you can't dominate a la Kareem Hunt did with his college film, then you're probably not going to have that success, right? Yeah, man. James Robinson is like one of the craziest and also coolest fantasy stories um, I can possibly remember. I mean, I think I looked this stat up, but I think he he ended this year with the most rushing yards ever by, by a UDFA, and it was by a margin. Like only I think only three other guys have had um, a thousand yards um, in their rookie year as UDFAs, and he was one of them. Um, yeah, I, he was completely off everybody's radar, though. I mean, honestly, he was not on anybody's radar until you know they cut they cut Fournette and uh, you know Ozigbo was hurt and uh, Ryquell Armstead was hurt. Um, you know, he definitely got lucky and ran hot. You know, the rest of that running running back room fell apart. But man, I mean, he what really surprised me, you know, because I went back and watched a couple games over the summer, didn't chart him. Um, he was always a good inside runner, but what really surprised me is how good of a receiver he was. I mean, he caught nearly 50 balls this past year. Yeah, you throw 50 balls caught and plus 250 carries, it's going to add up uh, no matter how you look at it. With uh, the amount of touches he's going to get, you're going to produce. But I like to kind of toot my own horn a little bit on the James Robinson. Everyone knows I, I'm – every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut and Robinson <laughs> finds I love my small school guys. I look at small school guys. That's probably the first thing I start to recruit because I, I want to find that guy. Anyone can pick out the, like you said, Ezekiel Elliott. So you can pick them out, no problem. But it's finding these small school guys and where they chart going forward. And that's where I kind of find it interesting with the yards created because it's already got the charting done. And then you can kind of see the comparables going on. Now you got five years of data. So the hit rate's, what, probably 90 5% on the hit rate right now for success based on the yards created in college? Oh, no, it's not that high. Um, it's probably closer to like 65%. I mean, you got to keep in mind um, injuries are a big part of this. Like Sony Michelle was one guy that yards created absolutely loved, and he's not been even close to the same player at the NFL level. Um, um, Rashad Penny, too. I mean, I ended up having, I think Rashad Penny is like the RB2 in that class based on his landing spot. I mean, I thought he was going to go in and, and beast mode with the Seahawks and his tape was good, but like, um, you know, he's obviously not been able to stay on the field. Um, Anthony McFarlane is going to be really interesting because he's actually sixth all time in yards created per attempt. And he did not see the field basically at all, even though their run game this past, the Steelers run game this year was terrible. And James Conner was not very good. And Benny Snell is just kind of a guy. Um, I think McFarland's probably going to end up being a uh, probably end up being a, a, a yards created f- a failure. Just 
I'm not I, I'm not totally writing him off just yet, but um, I think he might not might end up being that. Well, when everyone projects Pittsburgh to draft a running back, too, oh, yeah. And yeah. if they get a guy like Javante or Najee, it's like, I, I don't know how much work McFarlane will get. Yeah, he's probably, I don't know. Everybody wants to, every, everybody's been asking for the Steelers to draft a back high for the last four years, and they've been taking them in the fourth round every single year. So yeah. they, they, they desperately need offensive line help. That's one of the things I was surprised Colbert didn't do the past draft is, is draft offensive linemen because their run game was terrible in 2019 and it was terrible again this year. Yeah. One of one thing I noticed though, too, is uh, looking back. Um, yeah, it was 2000. It, it was the class with Damian Harris and Devin Singletary. I, I remember so many people were so high on them and then reading your article of like, okay, there's red flags here. You know, your, your process picked those up. Yeah. And, you know, with Harris, one of the things I, I sort of kind of liked about him was I thought he, you know, projected well, at least as a receiver. I mean, him and Josh Jacobs were both, you know, it's very small samples because you got to remember Jalen Hurts was the quarterback then. They didn't throw to their running backs very much. But I thought Damian Harris on like very limited passing down snaps was going to be kind of an impact player. Um, Singletary's missed tackles numbers were always pretty decent. They've been pretty decent in the NFL too, but I mean, that whole backfield now in Buffalo is just kind of, they don't, they don't run the ball. I mean, him and Zach Moss are like the two biggest sells in dynasty. Like people still are buying in on Singletary and Moss as being like, you know, worth second round startup, uh, not startup picks, but rookie picks. And yeah, I still kind of, kind of don't, kind of don't buy that. I sold Moss for a, uh, um, for two, for a second rounder, it ended up being two oh four. Hey, there you oh, go. I like that. I'm pretty happy about that one. Yeah, those guys are just going to continue to eat into each other. Yeah. Plus, Allen. I mean, Allen obviously yeah. gets his own rushing yards and touchdowns and all that too. So, yeah. um, all right. So here's a another kind of different question, I guess. I asked Eric Crocker this, and he had a really good uh, answer. But if you had a walk up song. Let's say you were a professional wrestler, something like that. What would your walk-up music be? <laughs> oh God, um, walk-up song, man. I don't know. This is gonna sound so stupid. Oh man, I'm really racking my brain right now. The stupider, the better. I think that's how this goes. <laughs> I, I, it's gonna sound so stupid, and I'm gonna sound like so, so stupid. But I love the baby. I would go. In, I would probably go with. Uh, I don't know. Just something to get it's just something to get the crowd hype. You know, if we're talking about wrestling walk-up song, you got to get the crowd hype. So I'd do something by the uh, by the baby. Well, I like to put a little different spit on this. Instead of a wrestling walk-up song, <laughs> you remember Charlie Sheen in Major League? Yeah, the wild yeah. thing you know, coming <laughs> oh, out. Of the yeah, bullpen. this is a Barfield song. He's coming out of the bullpen here. He's getting ready to walk. <laughs> we're going. We got a little the baby going on. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah something like that i don't know i i was thinking for for baseball i did um i think i had like shit what was that song just totally slipped my mind it was um fuck I'm trying to remember it i uh, just totally slipped my mind i'm sorry <laughs> i'm still waiting well, for somebody to say something about cole beasley that's that's what i really want is somebody oh god to say. there you go just you wait. I'm gonna, my walk-up song is going to be a collaboration between Cole Beasley, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. That's going to be there me. You go. 
be beautiful oh, chaos. It's going to be a beautiful mess, just like I am. Uh, I'll let you think about that for a second. We're just going to have a quick little uh, bit here from our sponsor. So we're just going to turn this over to Manscaped for about 30 seconds. COVID presented some very difficult challenges for us, men, including our grooming skills in 2020. Well, 2021 here, it's time for a fresh start with new beginnings. Head over to manscaped.com, get a hold of the Lawnmower 3.0, as well as the Weed Whacker, as well as many of their other products. Use promo code VIPERCAST20 and receive 20% off, as well as free shipping. Again, that's VIPERCAST20 to receive 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. You, you like that, Jeff? It's much more professional than the way I'm used to saying it. Much better. Clean <laughs> it up. You crushed it. <laughs> I had to clean that up for Calvin's son. He kept on giving me crap past his bedtime about my language. So uh, <laughs> tone it down for the children out there. All right. So, Graham. Okay. So, you're, you're probably used to people bringing you onto the show and talking about Yards Created, right? What... If you could choose anything else, what is something that you've always enjoyed talking about that maybe doesn't have to do with Yards Created, but you're really interested in? Oh, man. Um, or do you only talk about Yards Created? Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. It's, all, it's always fun to wrap TV shows, I guess, because especially because most, you know, we've been at home for the last, like, I don't know, year, basically. And it seems yeah. like two years. Uh, what's, the best, what's the best thing you guys have watched this past year at home? Because mm. mine, well, Oz Ozarks is always up at the Ozark top. is really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm. I think we finished the last season of Ozark. It was that finale was really sick. Mm -hmm. And really that sick. that and Breaking Bad, those are the two shows I've watched where like every season just gets better. Yeah, Breaking Bad like started good, and then it got better, and then it got mm -hmm. better, and then it got even better. Um, the storyline's amazing uh, yeah. for Breaking Bad for sure. I would have to go a little off the cusp here. I'd have to say the best thing I've seen so far is probably the Fantasy Points podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Got to get that dose of Greg Cosell and John Hansen and Kaplan in your life. There you go. <laughs> I know I'm forgetting something, but uh, Tiger King is certainly way up there. Oh, man. Yeah, that was that dude is a trip. I can't believe he's real. Like, I can't believe what, like watching that whole show. Like I can't, I was like taken aback by how I don't understand how those people were real and like existed. Wait, is this, uh, okay. So is this Joe exotic? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I, I haven't watched it. My oh. coworkers were blown away that I haven't seen it yet, but I've been yeah. working this whole time, you know? Oh, how dare you? How dare I know. you? <laughs> right. I've, I've got people to take care of, you know, but how I, heard dare you? I heard he just got pardoned. You know what? I, I don't blame you, Jeff. I can't even give you crap. I have not seen this either. I have not watched a single episode. I've never watched Game of Thrones. I've never watched yeah. Break. I, I'm I'm a I'm a recluse. I don't watch this kind of stuff. I'm, you know what? I'm very uninteresting, really. Like now, Graham, he is Canadian, so we have to give him that pass. Yeah, mm. I know, I I know right off the top. Sorry, he, he, he said one a boot, and that's all it took. <laughs> did, I, did I really drop a boot? Did I say that? Seriously? I think yeah. I think off the top, he did. <laughs> Man, I don't even know what I'm saying. Half the, I know A comes out of me a lot. The A yeah. comes out quite often. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. comfortable with that. Uh, 
I want to kind of circle this back about uh, we talked about hits and misses. We talked about the injuries that factor into the whole uh, yards created. So can you please tell me where Joe Williams is today? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I love Joe Williams, too. I mean, Kyle Shanahan, like, gushed over Joe Williams coming out of the draft. Um, I actually have no clue where Joe Williams is even at. Is he playing, like, in the CFL or something? Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Niners fan. I'm a Niners fan. I don't even know where he is. I'm not I sure. I'm no Oh, yeah, I'm going to look it up. I'm Googling it right now. The first thing that comes up is uh, Joe Williams, the jazz singer. So <laughs> maybe he took up jazz. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, same guy. Uh, the last thing I see is he was waived by the Niners on uh, August 2018. So, yeah, he's he's not we, doing anything. We traded Dude, how did up he not for play, him. How did he not play in the XFL? Come on. Well, and that, that's going to make things interesting, too, because it's coming back to, uh, I think, 2022, they're planning on having the XFL back. Yeah. So, the Rock bought it, man. Didn't The Rock buy well, it? Yeah, he got, he's yeah. a part owner over there, and I think his ex-wife might have the other part. I, I don't know. Don't fact check me. Well, uh, Vince, Mc, Vince McMahon was, like, sick of it. After his second go-around with the XFL, he's smart. smart. The Rock was smart to buy it. What's what's his show um, on HBO? Uh, Ballers. Ballers. So it's, yeah. It's literally Ballers real life it's awesome yeah yeah i don't think I, i've never seen ballers have you guys seen that yeah hbo in canada nah <laughs> get you some hbo movie. max man i'm still watching schitt's creek and stuff hey schitt's creek hey, is great good. yeah that's a good Love show Shits creek yeah no doubt that's a they're canadian right that's a canadian show right oh eugene levy oh man yeah. i i'm so old i still remember sctv SCTV, could you imagine Eugene Levy, John Candy? These are the guys, like, this was Canada's version of SNL. Mm. SCTV, fantastic comedy, man. My only, um, my only John Candy that I've ever watched was Home Alone. That's the only mm. thing I've ever seen of John Candy. I'm, I'm really unaging myself oh. here, but yeah. What would you recommend by John Candy? Because he is hilarious. Uh, Canadian Bacon's right up there. Uh, you haven't seen Cool Runnings even? Oh, cool yeah, he's in, cool, he's in Cool Runnings. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I've seen Uncle that. Buck? Uncle Buck? Uncle Buck, Planes, Trains, Automobiles. Like, oh, man. Oh, yeah, he is. Okay, I've seen way more than I thought then. I've seen Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I haven't seen Uncle Buck, though, or Canadian Bacon. Canadian Bacon's pretty good. That's basically where they, they're <laughs> – he's playing American, and they're having a war with essentially Canada. So they're kind of like on the Buffalo border there. Oh, it, it's it's pretty good. It's check it out. Yeah. See, we're, we're here. We're giving television advice. We're giving uh, data <laughs> analytics advice. Uh, the ones it's that all we, uh, all encompassing. You get everything. See, we and we got uh, Travis there from uh, True North Fantasy Football. Uh, you have a little something with them coming up here shortly, I believe, as well. So yes, sir. Yep. Yep. I think we're we're recording tomorrow night. Yeah, it was kind of funny. So when I make the announcement, and me and Travis, we get along because it's the Canadian thing to do. And uh, he's like, you got Graham? We got him coming on tomorrow. I was like, oh, sorry. I just kind of made sure we got, got him on. So, uh, <laughs> it's all good. Back to back. It's all good. We'll spice it up. You get a good, healthy dose of Canadiana, so to speak. Um, yes. We know you haven't quite got to the All-22, but being with the fantasy data analytics, I'm sure you've watched some college football at some point. Where would you rank this year's running back class coming in? Do you think there's anyone who's going to, let's call it a hypothesize, who's going to 
kill the model? Who's not going to look as good in the model? Can you make any kind of pre-model predictions? Yeah, honestly, I have not watched uh, hardly any college ball at all this year. Uh, was really busy with the site and stuff. I'm, I'm really behind. So, um, yeah, really, I have no uh, 2020, 2020 rookie takes right now. Um, I think the interesting debate will obviously be, you know, after the draft, where do we rank ETN and Harris? Because it seems like those are the the top two guys. But yeah, into the weeds, guys. I, I really have not. Uh, Javante. Yeah, yeah, Javante. Yeah, he's he's rocketed up some boards for sure too. I saw um, Dame Brugler's. Uh, I was reading something on the Athletic a couple weeks ago. Um, he's popped him up his board. Uh, Lance Zerline has too. Um, yeah. yeah, this is. It's going to be. It's. I mean, it's crazy. Like. A couple of years ago, we were talking about the death of the you know running back in fantasy football, and now you know this past class is is all of those guys are looking like hits, especially with Acres coming on as of late. Swift will get a new coaching staff. Hopefully, they'll feed him. Um, and then obviously, this rookie class coming in looks really strong too, especially at the top. And there's some really interesting interesting guys in the middle. But no, I really I'm I'm kind of going in this into this year um, more blind than I usually do. Yeah, it's amazing. I love- I know Matt wants to get into the uh, divisional matchups as well, and I happen to look and our or the, the conference championships, and I happen to look at your divisional matchups, and I know pace of play was something that was pretty big for you. Can you uh, just kind of explain why that's such a big thing for us to focus on? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, pace is um, basically I, one of the ways I've tried to start thinking about DFS is like everybody's so interested in matchups, and I think in general matchups are kind of overrated, like. Um, especially like wide, wide receiver corner matchups. Like it's just so nuanced in the way that teams cover different offenses. And uh, our guy, Wes Huber does a great job with uh, covered shells and, and breaking down advanced matchups. So I think one of the best ways that you can get an edge in DFS is just picking the right games to stack from. Um, so uh, I started looking into to pace of play. I'm definitely not the first person to do this by any means, um, but pace is really important for, you know, just picking the right game environments for where fantasy points are going to come from. I mean, if you've got two teams, um, you know, that are fast paced, like, you know, Falcons earlier this year were playing at the fastest pace in the NFL um, and all of their games were shooting out because their defense was terrible. The Cowboys were going to be one of the best fantasy teams, maybe the best fantasy team we've ever seen just from a total like mm-hmm. game perspective, because the Cowboys were putting up a ton of points, throwing a ton. And, uh, yeah, and their defense was was terrible, and they were running plays at like the fastest pace that I think I've ever seen, um, at least as far back as like Football Outsiders data data goes. Um, yeah, pace is 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 crucial. Um, and this week, like you know, Packers have been playing so slow, and they're you know they just kill the clock with time of possession. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see because the Packers play so slow. The Bucks play really fast. They've been picking mm-hmm. up their pace, especially the last like six, seven weeks with Brady playing so well. They're throwing way more, um, especially like in situation neutral, um, like when the uh, when the game's within a score. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the Bucks can kind of if they if they pick up their pace and uh, and try to score, you know. The Packers, if the sorry, if the Packers try to pick up their pace and try to you know score a little bit faster, if they just stick with their ways of, uh, of playing slow and having a really balanced offense, it's funny because we're talking about two matchups that we've already seen this year. We've seen the Bills and the Chiefs play each other. 
Unfortunately, we didn't learn nothing because both offenses were not playing very well in that matchup. I think Allen threw for like 125 yards. I think uh, Mahomes threw for 222. On the other side of things, the Bucks absolutely pounded on the Packers in their uh, week six matchup. I, I don't mean just on the scoreboard. I mean physically. I think they, they took part of their soul with them. Now, on the flip side, that doesn't mean nothing. We're in the playoffs now, like, We've got Tampa Bay traveling to Lambeau Field where it's looking at about 29 degrees. That ain't Central Florida-type weather, and I don't care who you are, you can't prepare for that unless you're from Canada and you're a <laughs> problem. But you just don't prepare. Does that weather kind of factor into any kind of this running back data that you collect? Hey, let's be honest. Green Bay is basically Canada. Let's let's be very clear. Um, <laughs> it's basically Canada. No, um, not really. No, weather is not really a big factor. Um, I, for this game this week, I'm really interested though to see because Brady Brady hadn't played in cold weather. You know, uh, this All year basically. Yeah, he sat he's sat down in Tampa. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because he was one of the best cold-weather quarterbacks of all time, maybe the best cold-weather quarterback of all time. So it be interesting to see if he can kind of rekindle some of that magic and uh, and play well again in Green Bay. Well, as someone who's played in cold weather many times and put worn pantyhose under my football equipment because that's how old <laughs> I am. We didn't have Under Armour. Well, when I played, we didn't have Under Armour. We wore our mother's pantyhose. That's how old school I am. Uh how many if when you're playing in 25 degree weather and you're AJ Dillon, how many extra yards are you creating because it's cold and he's a beast of a man and getting hit when it's cold feels a lot different than when it's warm out. Yeah. So we also talk about this matchup here a little bit, the Packers, Bucks, as far as the running backs are concerned, because like I said, every one of these running backs it has been in your model. Is there something that we could pull from your model into these matchups? Yeah, um, AJ Dillon was was an interesting watch last year because you know he's again he kind of got the Derrick Henry comps for being big and fast, but uh, his yards created numbers were really bad. And actually, it, my numbers show that he was more of a product of uh, Boston College's offensive line. They actually opened up the second most yards blocked per attempt um, all time in my database, and I think we've kind of seen that with AJ Dillon and the limited carries we've gotten. Um, I think he's really struggled to make guys miss and create when the play isn't there, um, which isn't to say he can't be a very good change of pace back to Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones is the exact opposite. I mean, he's like, you know, I wish I had yards credit numbers on him for coming out of college because I think he would have been really good. Um, but, yeah, Jones is kind of the make you miss guy. I think they've got a really good tandem there in Green Bay. It's going to be interesting to see if they bring back Jamal Williams. Um, but I think what they're originally intending with the Dylan pick even though I think he was a little bit overdrafted in the second round, I think what they're originally intent intending with that Dylan pick was to kind of have Jones and Dylan be the one-two pair going forward. They, but they also have to re-sign Aaron Jones, so um, we'll see if they do that too. There, I think there was speculation too that um, they would tag him. Yeah, they. I, I don't know. I don't know if I see that. I think they might. They'll, they'll, I, I read before the season that they were talking about an extension. And then obviously all the big running backs got extended between Cook and and uh, Mixon. Yeah. So I think that got put on the back burner. And, and Jones, I mean, he showed once again, I mean, he's one of the most efficient running backs in the league this year. So let's flip it to – I know we only got a couple minutes here left. Let's flip it to the Bills Chiefs. What can we learn for Singletary versus hopefully Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in this matchup? <laughs> well, the Bills are not going to – the Bills are not going to run the ball. <laughs> what were you gonna, I'm sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? 
Oh, I was just going to say, I was going to throw it to Josh Allen here on the talk because he is basically yeah. the, the running back. Yeah. And I don't think you quite do a yards created for quarterbacks at this point. <laughs> Although no, you may have to with all the running quarterbacks that are starting True. to flood the league. True. That's I'm copywriting yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, the Bills are not going to run the ball. They're going to they're going to do what they've been doing and and let Allen drop back forty five times. Um, yeah, I mean Singletary last week was uh, he played out almost every single snap like we've seen when you know Zach Moss misses, but uh, they are not even going to try to run. I mean, I think their first twenty plays they had or twenty five plays they had twenty four uh, pass attempts to to one. Uh, carry for Singletary. Uh, hopefully Clyde will get back on the field because, I mean, the, the Chiefs offensive line was opening up some ga um, gaping holes. And we've seen the Bills really struggle this year, especially uh, when teams run out of shotgun and in three or four wide receiver sets. Like their, their defense is just um, not built to uh, stop the run outside of, you know, um, when, when teams go into, when, when they're playing out of nickel. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if we get Clyde this week um, coming off uh, the injury, but I, I think we'll probably get, you know, some sort of split backfield between him and Darrell Williams, which by the way, Le'Veon Bell being demoted by to, to the number three back uh, on the depth chart behind Darrell Williams is, is, uh, is kind of hilarious after his uh, fall from grace, let's say in, in New York. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, Almost embarrassed for Le'Veon Bell at this point right now. Hey man, uh, he got you know, he got his money. He got his money. He got paid. Oh, oh he's hurt. That's why I was quiet too, because it's like I mean, he kind of chose it. You yeah, know, it's... he got paid. Yeah, he's just going to get. The, he's trying to get that ring now. Uh, I, personally, I threw myself through a table here earlier this uh, before last week's matchup as a uh, a way to try and get some acceptance into Bill's mafia. Uh, I was embraced with open arms, so I'm going to keep circling this wagon. I like Chris Berman here. I'm going to stick with the Bills, guys. What's better than a Bills fan right now? Seriously, oh, man, dude, they just sent like three hundred forty thousand dollars to Lamar Jackson's yeah. charities right now because so cool. he got hurt. I don't know, but <laughs> so so cool. Yeah, I, I've kind of been a quasi Bills fan this year too because I drafted Josh Allen on like all of my teams. Like I had him in all of like my my high stakes teams, and it worked out. So I've I've watched a lot of Bills football this year, and I'm I'm hoping selfishly. Um, that we get a, uh, a a really good game between uh, Allen and Mahomes. Hopefully, Mahomes is fine. Um, we'll see. We'll, I'm we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk I'm about that a little he bit didn't after. Have a concussion. Jeff, you're convinced he did or did not have a concussion? Did not. Ooh, Edwin, okay. I was talking to Edwin about it actually. Okay. Um, I th I think it was a carotid sinus, carotid, hmm. carotid sinus hypersensitivity or syncope, basically getting choked out. Really? Um, yeah, he didn't he even like, hit his head. Yeah, well, I read where it was like basically like he pinched a nerve essentially in his neck. So that's that's what led to him like kind of being woozy, I guess, when he got up is he just couldn't yeah. breathe. Yeah, well, and it mimics, no it mimics concussion symptoms. Hmm, interesting. I'm no doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express once. <laughs> and I know you've got a couple arteries in your neck there. And if you get them both pinched off, you could put someone to sleep in like – 30 seconds and it didn't take long like when you're watching his head kind of bent down like this mm -hmm. going in and the it, that's stress. enough to break that's like that's the equivalent of a rear naked choke so to speak right as if you're an mma guy and i think uh, jay glazer i think was the guy who kind of put it out there 
So yeah. I can't take credit for it, but he kind of threw that out there as a theory of what he thought. And then I think you and uh, a couple other your medical buddies there kind of said, yeah, that, this is what we think too. Yeah, it's hard because he had a little bit of the coop contra coop, but man, it, it it was one of those gut where it's like man, I, there's not really that much there, you know. It just makes you think like did something else happened. But yeah, I did read where he's in the concussion protocol today, though. Mm. So yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah, and that's the hard part because like once they're put in the concussion protocol, they have to go through the whole yeah. protocol technically. Yeah. So we'll never find out, probably. No. No, we never will. <laughs> On the medical side, it's like, oh man, I wish I could find out. <laughs> yeah. Well, these teams are so close to the vest with injuries, like all the time. Like, there's so many college. injuries. Like, college, yeah. too. Well, oh, college. Oh, God. College is the worst. <laughs> I mean, the fact they let Justin Fields back on the field, like, uh, uh, when they were uh, playing Clemson was insane. No, like, no x rays either. Oh, I, you don't think they gave him x rays? No, yeah, they for said. The ribs. They, yeah, they said they didn't, they didn't give him x rays. I, I was shocked. Yeah. I mean, I'm not shocked. I mean, they, they, needed, they needed Fields <laughs> to stay out there. It right. was their only sure. chance. <laughs> well, it's no different than uh, uh, Calvin Saints. Like, now we're finding out that uh, Mike yeah, Thomas really there, he's got for multiple mm-hmm. surgery. And yeah. none of that came across any practice reports leading up to the previous game. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want to hide something, you hide something. I, I don't know if that's the best way to do it, but. Teams have been uh, doing it for so long. And with Michael yeah. Thomas, like there was so it was so obvious with Thomas this year that he was dealing with something way more than just a high ankle sprain. Right. Well, my fun, like I follow hockey being Canadian, and it's funny because when you have a injury, like, say you break your ankle, they'll literally list you as lower body injury. That, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, hockey's the worst with it. <laughs> it's like yeah, well, it, it, it technically is, is a lower in, leg or lower injury, yeah. <laughs> like I said, most sports, I know the theory behind that is if you say, like, okay, I break my hand or my finger, you don't want to say a broken finger. You say uh, upper body injury because if you point out it's a wrist, someone's going to take a little slash at your wrist. That's kind of what it happens. I'm sorry. it's You try and get that competitive advantage, whether it's uh, sportsmanlike or not. So It's true. It's true. Uh, anyway, we're at the uh, 61 minute mark here, Graham, and I, I want to be respectful of your time here. So, what do you got going on for us? And just kind of say, like, what's what's your off season look like? Is there an off season even? Because you, you're one of the big guys out there. New. No. Um, I usually get a little break after the Super Bowl, just watching games for yards created. I'll take a little bit of a writing break and then take a break in the summer. But yeah, not much of an off season. Uh, we're going right into it. Uh, like I said, I think I mentioned earlier, Cosell's got a draft guy that he's already way in the deep in the water end. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. We're running an early bird special on the site too. Uh, it's going to be the lowest price you can get in that. Uh, we're running 30% off right now. So uh, definitely check that out if you want to. And uh, yeah, I'll have yards graded stuff up and usually, usually get to writing around early mid-March. So um, got to watch, got to get caught up here because I'm like way behind on uh, on a lot of these guys. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely check out uh, the early bird special with 30, uh, 30% off. I'm sold. Yeah, yeah for the amazing group. Um, and like like Matt said, even, you know, John Hansen, um, I was talking about this podcast to my dad and the behind the grind and having guys like you on and he's like, what about that John Hansen guy? Are you going to have him on? Because I might watch that show. <laughs> I'll tell him that. Um, John John is the man. He is he is like, um, 
this year he had, I think he had his best year on Sirius this year. So I'll, I'll definitely tell him that. Has, has your dad listened to him for a long time on Sirius there? I used to buy my dad a fantasyguru.com subscription for his wow. birthday every year. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. So we've been kind of shooting our shots, so to speak, sliding into DM, sending out messages to guys on Twitter. And we sent one out to John. And I know John usually makes himself available for about anyone come July. It's kind of his free time. Yeah. And he put a post out and said, hey, John, you want to come on the Viper cast? You'd make, you'd make uh, uh, Calvin's dad proud of him if you join our show. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to tell him that. That's, that's great. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's a good birthday gift. That's a really good birthday gift every year. Get him a guru subscription. Yep. Mm-hmm. Might have to throw it a point subscription too. Yeah, that's what you need mm-hmm. to next. Get him the fantasy points. That's right. There you go. That's right. Well, Graham, if you want to get out here, it's been fantastic having yeah. you. Uh, appreciate you spending some time here. I know we're, uh, you got you're with the True North Fantasy Football podcast there tomorrow night. I love Travis and the guys over there. So. Uh, you're going to have a good time there. They're going to give you a little bit more Canadian Anna than what you're getting with us right now. Just make sure you maybe watch a John Candy special here tonight or tomorrow <laughs> when you're between film sessions. And yeah, like I said, it's going to be a good show tomorrow. I'll be tuning in for sure. Uh, nothing but love for you and nothing but love for my uh, brethren there at TNFF. So that's going to be a fantastic little get-together there. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'll watch uh, Canadian Bacon tonight as my, as my prep. <laughs> Thanks, Graham. If anyone didn't notice, uh, myself, Graham, and uh, <laughs> Travis were all in the same Kings Classic division this year. So yep. that's kind of where that connection came in. Uh, Travis kind of won something. I don't know what he did. I don't know. He I th- won. I think he won one of the divisions. Or I, don't know. I think he it doesn't. Matter. I think did he win the auction? Because we were in the uh, the season long one, right? Yeah, so there's the auction, the snake. Yeah. I lost in both semifinals this year. I was like, really? Oh, Ian, uh, Harditz beat me in one, and I think yeah. uh, Lewis beat me in the other. I'm like, really? Yeah, Harditz won the one that we were in. I didn't do the auction one. Uh, Tom Brawley did the auction one for us. So, yeah. Anyway, thanks again. All right, guys. Yeah, thanks thanks, thanks a lot, thing. Graham. Thanks, right. Graham. Take it easy, guys. You too. So there you have it. We kind of, uh, it was a very special privilege for us to be able to bring Graham on and talk a little bit about the yards created. And like I said earlier, yards created is basically one of the few analytic tools I actually understand. And when I, when I put our scouting, like we're all working together with the IDP guys there with the, uh, mag- the draft magazine this year, it's one of the few things when I evaluate running backs that I make sure to use when I evaluate these guys. Um, going back to last year, I try to use what he basically told us how he does it and I try and imply to myself when I'm doing my scouting obviously I have to wait a little bit later for the actual for him to actually do the, the hard work but it helps me understand the position a little bit better itself and I'm glad Jeff was able to bring back the fanboy down a little bit towards the middle of the show so thank you Jeff for uh, I try <laughs> man I wanted to ask so many other questions too I'm really curious because uh, Saquon Barkley is really high in his model. I wonder if he and Edwin got together and if they're doing any work to see, you know, how he's going to likely do any projections for the future. Cause that's a lot of people are asking that, you know, will he return to his old self? I have my mm-hmm. own doubts, but I, I'm, I'd be, that'd be a really good piece. Yeah. Well, 
Speaking of fanboying, um, you definitely made a uh, big fan in my household here, Jeff, with your uh, wide receiver rankings. <laughs> um, I didn't follow up on that thread, but did you get a lot of a lot of hits on that? A lot of people commenting. Uh, I don't. He must have seen. I just took a small screenshot. I haven't posted the whole thing yet. I don't think. No, I posted this, my rookie early. I saw like, it on rookie. Twitter. I saw it on Twitter with your AJ Brown and you know, you had, um, I forget who you had second, when, but when he had surgery, no, the, earlier today, the, uh, where you, you, it was a screenshot of your top 10 wide receivers. And you were like, I, I, my AJ Brown is my number one wide receiver. No, really. Here's the picture. Oh yeah. So that was, yeah. yeah. So that was in response to, uh, man, did you guys see that AJ Brown had surgery on both of his knees? Mm-hmm. Crazy. But yeah, so I'm really surprised that he needed surgery on both of his knees after Corey Davis kind of carried him all season. <laughs> I'm I'm really curious where he goes actually, if if Tennessee brings him back or not. Um, yeah, so I I mean these are rough. These are rough. I have some of the rookies in here too, and it's without even knowing um, landing spots, but just projections based off of breakdowns i've seen film i've watched myself which again i'm amateur very very much of an amateur uh film viewer or breakdowner however you want to say uh, it i think for Corey davis to continue having success like he did this season he's got to be in a position where he's the second wide receiver i know i joke about Corey davis being the number one wide receiver in tennessee and the numbers support that but it's the attention that aj brown brings to him and the success that AJ Brown has AJ Brown is a dog and he he demands the attention and he has success unlike Juju Smith-Schuster where Juju is a fantastic receiver he's more like a Corey Davis where he does best with another primary alpha uh, on the field with him and if you're going to have success with Corey Davis I think you need to have a clear one for him to be successful as a 1B kind of like they were in Tennessee this year. So I could really see Tennessee keeping Corey Davis this year. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Ray, Ray talks about that a lot where like we always bag on these guys where it's like, Oh, they're not the wide receiver one on their team, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, we need wide receiver twos, mm -hmm. you know, they're still very valuable. Yeah. Like Baltimore has like four wide receiver threes and they're happy about that. <laughs> Shouldn't be. Uh. <laughs> um, I, I was just going to say I, I the wide receiver market is going to be so fascinating to me because I think there are a lot of very good, legitimately very good wide receivers coming into the draft. Yeah. Um, there it's were a lot of wide receivers who did what really well coming out of last year. So these guys jumping in now who are free agents, that just seems like a bad time to be a free agent. And I'm curious if a guy like, like Corey Davis might find, you know, to, he has to wait till after the draft, maybe even to sign. Uh, I don't know. Ten, ten, Tennessee's been pretty good at keeping guys happy in their organization that want to be there. And they, they've been pretty good as far as that goes. Now, they made the mistake in letting uh, Logan Ryan go. Uh, that was a big hit for their secondary, considering. But if, if Corey Davis is reasonable with what he's asking for in the offseason i could see tennessee locking him up fairly quickly in the process i don't think tennessee tennessee's got so many 
uh, needs. And Hollywood could probably speak to this when he talks later on. And um, whoever you bring in for the Titans uh, for your spotlight there, Calvin, yep. Hollywood. Um, will probably address that they have a bigger need at drafting on the defensive side of the ball. Um, their pass rush, that interior, that whole pass rush, they had one of the worst pass rushes in terms of sacking the quarterback. They got pressure, but they could not sack the quarterback. They brought in Jadavian Clowney to get that sack number up, and that just didn't pan out. Um, they've got Simmons there in the middle, so they've got pieces there. They got Bayard on the back end. I don't know if they're going to retain Kenny Vaccaro. I don't know if that's something that they're looking at. He's getting a little bit of aging as well. They may need that in-the-box safety type guy. Secondary corners, uh, Adoree Jackson hasn't panned out quite as well as they would probably hope for right now. Malcolm Butler is – I don't even know where Malcolm Butler is anymore. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. they've got so many holes on the defensive side. They may just go, you know, Corey Davis, here's your $10 million a year to be our wide receiver too or whatever that number is because they've still got A.J. Brown on a cheap on his con- rookie contract. They're going to have to pay him, but maybe it's, okay, you know what, Corey Davis, we're going to give you a two-year deal at this knowing full well that we're going to have to pay A.J. Brown right away so we can try and mirror those contracts together somewhat. Well, Janu is a free agent too, so yeah. really curious to see how they how they prioritize those guys. Um, Man, and Janu, I, I'm a huge Janu fan. He could be so good if he's given well, the he, volume. He barely played this year, and he still had one of the top uh, numbers for tight ends this season. Uh, I'll let you guys kind of talk about that because he had that production and uh, <laughs> Tannehill, number one. I'll let you guys kind of carry on this conversation with uh, Jonah Smith because he did have that success this year as a tight end despite not playing the games. I think he's still ranked in the top 10, right? So, uh, don't fact check me on this, but I think he's still at top 10 tight end numbers despite missing a healthy chunk of the year. See, that's the thing though too is like, for the, the argument for top 10 at tight end, does it carry much weight? Because really, looking at it, I'm looking at uh, Fantasy Pros PPR. Um, from, well, I'll take out CJ Uzuma. Um, from tight end four all the way, tight end four is Robert Tunyon, 11.0 uh, fantasy points per game. And then... There's probably a span of, what is that, 14 guys that all scored from 11.0 to 9.0 points. Yeah. And Johnny's like right in the middle. Yeah, he was very up and down. He, he started off hot three straight weeks in the very beginning, you know, or four actually uh, after the bye where he was double digits in his fantasy points and looked really good. And then, you know, it looked like his injury wasn't until later in the year, though, right? Is it? It was more like no, week he well he had a he had a high ankle sprain. Gosh, that had to have been week six, maybe. Okay, yeah, but yeah, his his numbers, his snaps came down in week six. So you might be right. Huh. Um. So that's interesting. Uh, I'd be curious to see how he gets utilized because he was a tough one for me to rank when I was thinking about my tight end rankings for dynasty purposes. Because like talent wise, he's the exact kind of guy. Like he can do everything you'd want a tight end to do, and you know he's athletic. He's got all the you know all, all the points you would want to make. But you know it's 
it, it's tough to figure out when you're talking about him or Mike Gusecki, him or you know Noah Fant. I mean, those guys have produced a little bit more. Well, and <laughs> yeah, and uh, Tennessee's going to be getting a new OC. You know, it's not Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to be as efficient. Volume might be increased. You know, the other the other part that you didn't mention too was. Um, Right around when Johnny had the high ankle sprain, I think the the game before the game after, um, Tennessee lost Taylor Luan to mm. a torn ACL, and Johnny ended up blocking a little bit more. He wasn't running as many routes because Ferkser. I mean, I, don't fact check me on the on the percentages or the grades, but I'm pretty sure Johnny is a better pass blocker or yeah, uh, pass blocker than Ferkser is. Right, so they use Ferkser as more of a receiving threat. And kept Johnny in the block. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, oh, you're supposed to know this numbers guy. I, I do know Jonathan is a very good blocker, <laughs> but I don't know if he's better than Ferkser. I don't. I'm not. Uh, I'm not as versed on my Anthony Ferkser knowledge. That's for sure. <laughs> but I mean, you're right. That's a really tough man. That group with like Fant, and then with Denver, you just you never know where to rank those guys. But Fant, Gasecki, uh, Johnny. Maybe throw one of the Dallas tight ends in there. Well, Hurst. I was just on a show here uh, right before this one. We kind of talked about that. Getting those top two, three, four tight ends and then avoiding that middle because that middle is just a murderer's row. Uh, We're kind of comparing – we're kind of doing value-based drafting here. We're talking about uh, if you had Kelsey and if you had Waller, and we'll put Kittle in that conversation too because we know what Kittle Mm -hmm. can do. You're yeah. talking about guys who finish in the top six amongst wide receivers, right? Yeah. The gap, the gap in PPR between uh, Waller, who was number two, so call him number three if you want to put Kittle into the conversation, and number three, who happened to be Logan Thomas this year, yeah, was a hundred points. A <laughs> hundred points. What's the gap in wide receivers? Definitely not 100 points between number two and number three. In fact, I think the gap between 20 and 30 is like uh, like 10 points. Gap between 20 and 40 is like 10 or 20 points. It's not a whole lot. So when you're looking at this, like we were talking about this, we're talking about getting the tight end. If I'm in a redraft league, because I don't think I'm drafting these guys as high in a dynasty league, but if I'm in a redraft league, even if it's non uh, non tight end premium, I'm willing to put 105 Travis Kelsey in there. I'm willing to draft uh, Kittle at the 108 spot, and I'm willing to take Darren Waller at 202 on the turn or wherever you want to go because you're getting a top six wide receiver and you're getting a huge advantage at a position based on value. So we talk about these tight ends. Can Jonas Smooth get himself into that category? Perhaps if he's healthy and stuff. That's to be seen, but we talked. You just talked about Noah Fant, Jonah Smith, Mike Gesicki. We've got this Mark Andrews. Is that Kyle Pitts? Where's he going to play? Dallas Robert Tanyan. What about Tanyan? What do we do with him? Yeah. Well, you look at his numbers, and they're very heavy on the touchdown dependency. Does that continue? I, I don't like to trust on touchdown dependency. Yeah. I want to see those numbers, but he did. He caught everything. I think he had 59 catches on 59 targets. Don't fact check me, but that number seems kind of legit to me right now. Um, man, like that, that it's a wasteland at the tight end position. And if you don't get one of those good guys, you're really guessing. And let's face it, not many people had Logan Thomas rostered prior to this year. 
And we, we flipped this to the rookie draft. I know this is something that Jeff's been really struggling on Twitter because I watch him. He's sitting at 105 in a draft. He wants to pull that trigger on Kyle Pitts right now. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him. I don't. Now, so this was a really good conversation. So my, I'm in a little bit of a different situation because I have 1-1 one, one through 1-5. One, so I hmm. have the luxury of. You know what? Go out there and draft <laughs> Kyle Pitts 101. Just do it. <laughs> uh, someone told me to do that. I forget who commented that. It was like, you should do that. Um, just to prove the well. point. Yeah. yeah. Tier one. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, you realistically, you're sitting there. So just say you just have 105. I mean, you have to realistically look at it and say, you know, if you have an early second, I think I, I posted this earlier today, You exactly what you said, the, the discrepancy between the top tier tight ends, Kyle Pitts legitimately looks like, and he's graded out, um, and I'll, I'll say a couple names after this, but he's graded out like a Mike Evans, like mm. a Allen Robinson. He's grading out like a receiver. You don't mm. find that often. You have it in Kelsey. No. You have it in Kittle. You have it in Waller. Well, and he lined up at wide receiver quite often. They, they split him out wide a lot at Florida as well. Yeah. And we, we talk about this, and we think about it, and it comes down to do you believe – that Kyle Pitts ceiling or floor is where Waller's is. I, I look at them. I put their numbers, Georgia Tech, Darren Waller at the combine versus what I expect Kyle Pitts to do. And the numbers were pretty – Waller's combine numbers were impressive. The only difference between that was maybe he's gained 20 pounds since the combine to move into that tight end role. Well, Kyle Pitts is very similar in body, size, speed, everything that Waller is. So that's telling me, based on what I've seen in college – from Pitts is he's going to grade very favorably to what Darren Waller currently is. Now, is that his floor is a ceiling? I don't know which one that is yet, but based on what I've seen, I would argue that based on value at the position, Kyle Pitts may be more valuable in your rookie draft. And remember there might be a one year, um, pain train kind of thing we've talked about this. Maybe, maybe it's best to let someone else draft Kyle Pitts and then trade for Kyle Pitts at the end of the season when someone's down on him not producing, yeah. maybe taking that opportunity to bet against Pitts for one season because tight ends don't usually come in and produce right away. But based on value, Kyle Pitts could move into that tight end four range where the next closest tight end is 100 to 80 points behind him. Well, if you can get a gap between 80 points, that's more than what you're going to get out of a rookie wide receiver. So you could argue Pitts has more value than – Devonta Smith, then Jalen Waddle, then Jamar Chase. And yeah, if you're talking even even in a non-premium tight end, that is something to be thinking about. Well, especially I find it hard to draft a tight end in the first round, but Kyle Pitts, I think, is I don't want to use the term generational, but I think he's special. Yeah, you might as well yeah, use I'm, generational. That that's the term that we just I, I think we have to use that about every prospect in every draft. It's probably the most overused word in draft season. Mm-hmm. That and uh sneaky fast for any white player. Just right. Quick. Gritty. So much grit. Oh no. Uh, I'm I'm, now, I'm I'm like sneaky slow. <laughs> so I'm I'm right there with you. Um especially when I see guys basically saying if Kyle Pitts was a wide receiver, he would be ranked as the wide receiver two or the wide receiver three of this class. 
And this wide receiver class is stacked, you know? So I'm right there with you, especially then looking at, you're looking at some of the wide receivers in round two. If you, if you wanted, if you still want a piece of this class, you're looking at Amon Ross St. Brown, Tylen Wallace, Terrace Marshall, um, Deami Brown, all guys who, well, not necessarily Deami Brown, but those first three have a shot at being a wide receiver one. But even if they're not wide receiver one, they could be a solid wide receiver two on an NFL team, you know? And what it comes down to, and I agree, I think Kyle Pitts, if you put him at wide receiver in this draft, I would have him probably between, and of course, let's forget I'm an Alabama homer, so my Alabama receivers are one and two. Mm-hmm. Chase is three. I would put Pitts right there with Rashad Bateman at four and five. Four That's kind five, of where yeah. it, and I think they compare favorably to each other. So then you ask yourself, we know what the gap is. Like it, it's hard. I've seen people argue Rashad Bateman as the number one wide receiver in this draft. I've seen people argue Rondell Moore. So we've got five receivers in this conversation as a top wide receiver. No one's arguing Brevin Jordan or Fremuth as the tight end one. It's yeah. a non-issue. It's there's no doubt. And let's be honest, those are probably the only three draftable tight ends in your rookie draft. I think Brevin Jordan's a fantastic value, probably in the third round, and. Depending, I think he's. I think him and Framuth are more kind of a. It depends on where they land. The situational tight end, Adam Troutman, kind of comes to mind when I think of this. Adam Troutman, I think is going to be great next year. I think Jared Cook's kind of done there. So, but this is where these guys kind of come into play. And I think, like I said, I believe Pitts is special. I have him as my wide receiver four if that was his position. And if you got a guy who's playing the wide wide receiver four in your rankings much like Travis Kelsey is the wide receiver. I think he was about four and Waller was six when I did the PPR. Then it seems very plausible that you could take him at 105 and be comfortable with it. Yeah. And God forbid, if he drops to 108, 109, it's a no-brainer. It's a smash. I'm sorry. like I know people don't like to take that tight end there, but if I'm Dynasty, I'm taking it all day. Yeah. All right. L- let me sprinkle some cold ro- cold water on this uh, amazing Kyle Pitts uh, love you can't, fest. You can't, you can't cool me down. My You're going to go red, one, red. 101 in Jeff's draft now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've talked to it just, just because I can. So Travis <laughs> Kelsey is, he's got Tyreek Hill on the outside. He's got Pat Mahomes and he's got a coach that doesn't mind just scratching the run game. Um, he's also, he was not this version of Travis Kelsey in year one. Um, it took him a little bit of time. Um, if, if he winds up in, I I don't know, Carolina or something, something like that. Are we as, are we as excited? Is that, I mean, so I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll turn it around here a little bit. A smart owner would draft Kyle Pitts at one Oh five. A smarter owner would trade a second round pick halfway through the season for Kyle Pitts. Yeah. But who's giving that up? If so, like, I, I just I, like, I hear that about tight ends all the time, but then I look at like, look at the, at the train that we've got for Cole Komet right now, who I'm not sure is ever going to be in that, you know, top tier, but people are going crazy over Cole Komet right now. There's a huge, you know, I, I think, as tight ends do show something towards the end of the year, or just people get excited about them because of news. I, I'm, I'm not sure that the actual, the owner that's, you know, in this dynasty league that's paying more attention is actually going to be giving up Kyle Pitts. I think especially you have if to they invest, well, especially if they would, invest one, four or one, five into them. Right. The odds of it 
But you could do a player player, you know, like a Dallas Goddard and a wide receiver for Pitts later or something. Yeah, I, I'd be comfortable with that if I got if that's a position I got a, a little bit of depth at. But if you were okay, George Kittle, you own George Kittle. What do you want for him? Heck of a lot. Yeah, well, a lot. Yeah, because that, that like that's that yes, tight ends like we're, we're talking about this. They drop off at a certain point. And I, and I think actually I was listening to the show you're talking about and Jake talked about like, just don't be in the middle. I think that's absolutely true. Like you, you just, you don't want anybody, don't draft, don't make investments in those middle guys. Get in earlier, wait till late and stockpile elsewhere. That's really yeah. what it comes down to. And hope you get a Logan Thomas off the waivers who turns into the tight end three. Kittle's one of those difference makers that you, you know, it would take a lot for me to, to get rid of him. Yeah, and I, what I'm going to draft, especially a dynasty startup, if I don't get one of those top three, and I'm considering Waller in my top three, mm-hmm. if these guys go in the first three, four rounds, I'm not immediately, after I see Waller come off the board, I am not going after Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts in that kind of situation. Because I don't, I believe in Pitts, but I'm not really ready to put a fourth-round startup value to him, so to speak. Um, that said... I'm sitting here and I'm watching these first three come off. If I don't get one of those first three, I may just punt that position because it's so volatile. You can't predict who's going to be that tight end four or if he's going to be tight end 14 right now because that, that's where that gap is right now. So I say you say you go out there, okay, I, I missed out on my top three guys. I'm not willing to drop Mark Andrews, who is perhaps a consensus tight end four. Uh, depending on whose rankings, maybe Kyle Pitts slides in already to someone's tight end four spot. I don't know, but I'm not willing to. He's in mine. Grab him. <laughs> is he? Yeah. yeah, I'm sure once I do my dynasty <laughs> rankings, he's going to be in my top five. That's how much I believe in him too. So I'm not willing to use a fourth round startup on these guys quite yet, and I'll probably end up in a startup if I don't get those first three. Drop back. Now saying that, I'm willing to trade a pretty healthy ransom to get one of those top three tight ends right now, even yeah. if Kelsey's getting a little bit up there in age. Now, obviously my first choice is a grab right now would be Waller and Kittle and Kittle being my top preference, but I'm not totally against giving up, uh, trading a first rounder, maybe a, a wide receiver or a running back, depending on where my depth is and kind of paying what the guy wants for. I'm not, not, not a two QB QB price, but I think that's gotta be the conversation. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, have you done your tight end rankings? Um, it, roughly for for dynasty. Yeah, or rookie dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah, roughly. Uh, I'm curious where you've got OJ Howard. Not in my top twelve. I'm super curious. I, I I've seen too many studies about, um, especially at the tight end position for their size for their. Um, for their speed metrics, all of that, it saps. An Achilles tear just saps their acceleration, their explosiveness. I, look at Will Disley. You know, he wasn't, mm-hmm. he's, he's not as athletic as OJ Howard. I get that, but he's nothing. He's, he's a shell of himself, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm a little I skeptical. Love- I'm going to start a new little saying. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know if we can even use this as a promotion or we can make money off this later on, but I want to play the doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case. 
of Achilles tendon tear. And talk about like guys like Marlon Mack. You talk about Disley's Achilles. We talk about OJ Howard's ability and his cutting. I know I'm jumping the ship here a little bit, but Marlon Mack, he his career, I don't want to say it's over, but he ain't going to be what you think he's going to be coming back from an Achilles. Yeah, I saw someone that was pretty good. Some 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 people were talking about like, oh, you know, buy low. You know how some people just like finding those hot takes and just it's like, oh, you gotta go buy low on Marlon Mack. Why? He's he's not gonna he was what a fourth round pick, fifth round pick. He looked decent in the Colts scheme, right? What do they have? The top offensive line at mm-hmm. that time? He's gonna he's not gonna be himself at all. Well, the Colts were able to make holes so big that even Jonathan Taylor could find them. So shame on you. <laughs> you know I gotta take the little hanging fruit whenever I can. Speaking yeah. of hot takes, but we talked about it. The the Achilles may be the one absolute defining running back success or non-success injury we have acls we we've seen great medicine acls are like basically like a knee sprain now people are coming back from these things it's not yeah. like bobby Orr uh with the boston bruins tearing acl they actually butcher your knee to fit, try and fix it like yeah. the, you're almost brand new after these acl the achilles it don't matter we have not advanced in medicine to where we can bring the achilles back it's a tendon you know what I mean? It's a tendon. It grows, it shrinks, whatever they do. They might have to cut the clean part of it off. So now your Achilles has shrunk a little bit. You don't have that pop when you do your jump cut. Man, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. Do I not sound smart right now, Jeff? Can uh, I carry uh, that was like, they, medical like, group chats? They, it grows, they do it shrinks, it. whatever it does. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that part, it was great. <laughs> well, I had to bring everyone back to Dingus. You know what I mean? I had to bring it all back. <laughs> The dingus comes out every now and then. So a quick, quick thought while I'm thinking of it. Um, going back to the rookies, if you can't bring yourself to taking Kyle Pitts early in the first, or Calvin, just like you said, say, I don't know, Carolina or, I don't know, the Patriots grab Pitts and they don't upgrade at their quarterback. You don't know long-term what their situation will be. He would for sure be a great trade target later on right but Mm -hmm. what you could do then in that situation i don't know if you guys have seen have you if you've looked into uh pat fryermuth that much but i have yeah he's good i like him he is um i sense a butt well he's he's not as good of a route runner as i thought um he's you know i i had i I, you know i I heard all the baby gronk talk going into it so Mm -hmm. You know, I, that's Hunter, Hunter Henry. Yeah, that was another one. Yeah, um, but he's 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 a very good uh, blocker. Like he definitely he, but he, it's like he's not quite like T.J. Hawkinson would like he would have plays where he was like blowing people away. Like you know they'd be like fifteen yards downfield after you know especially if he got his hands on a on somebody in the secondary. Um, I don't know if Fryermuth just didn't feel like putting out that kind of effort when he, cause you know, he was still blocking them, I, you know, but it was like, he didn't quite have that dominate. Um, but then when he was utilized in the, in the passing game and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all the time, but when, when he was utilized in the passing game, um, he was definitely a guy that when the ball was thrown his way, he, especially near the red zone, he was very effective. And I'm, 
you know, I, I kind of thought of like, like, like Kyle Rudolph kind of yeah. as, as that kind of a guy. Um, I kind of wonder, especially in year one, I, I sort of think um, he could end up being asked to block a lot because he's going to, I think he's going to be more advanced in that um, skill than he will be in. Cause again, he's just, yeah. if you watch him run routes, he is, he is just not very polished at that. It, again, it's not like he's no, like he's terrible. And he, and he actually like in the, in the seams, you know, th things like that. Like he was, he showed some, some really good signs there and could go up and get the ball was fearless. Like very, very, very tough guy. Um, but I wonder if like something like, like, like Mercedes Lewis was also, you know, a talented receiver, but he was such a good blocker that he was asked to block a lot, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. So who do you, do you like? Uh, so I'm I'm convinced that either Pat Fryermuth or Brevin Jordan will end up on the Jaguars. Hmm. Do you do you like um, Brevin? I, I haven't watched any of him. Matt, Matt probably has. He okay. Fun fact: He was also a five-star recruit, I believe, um, with Kyle Pitts, and he was in a camp with Kyle Pitts and Brevin Jordan graded out higher and won some award hmm. instead of Kyle Pitts winning it. Hmm. Kyle Pitts has obviously developed a little better, but Matt, what were you going to say? No, I, I got Freymuth a little bit ahead of uh, Brevin Jordan, but I think Brevin Jordan and uh, Freymuth, they, they got to go in hand in hand with each other. Um, I think Pat's a little bit further ahead right now, uh, but like I said, if you're looking at that third round, I think Brevin Jordan is definitely a guy you could target. I, we mentioned that a little bit earlier as well. But right now, it's Kyle Pitts, and then it's there's a gap, a considerable gap, and then it's those two, and then there's nothing. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Ruckert, I was really high on. He's going back to Ohio State, so that was a big, big shot there on the tight end position. Actually, I was, yeah, prepping for the IDP guys uh, draft magazine, which all three of us are a part of. It's uh, bookshelves right after the draft. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, yeah, so uh, it, it's like all these tight ends that we were looking at are all coming back for another year. And some of them are seniors taking advantage of that. So it really takes – there's a huge turnover at the tight end position. The guy's not making that jump to the next level, which maybe this extra year of development it benefits them in the long run because we know there's that struggle going from college to pros and that first year for a tight end. So may, will, will we see a little bit of a different thing moving forward? I don't know, but – uh, Jeremy Ruckert's definitely a guy I was really high on. I wanted to see him come out this year, and he would have been in that close to that third. He was definitely in the third tier, pushing to that second tier. Hmm. Yeah, I really like that. You, you mentioned earlier um, watching a certain prospect and having your eyes kind of like go over to the other guy. That that was happening to me when I was watching Kadarius Tony with Kyle Pitts because I had not watched anything on on Pitts, but I wanted to watch some of Tony for the magazine and. Um, and I really liked what I liked a lot of what Tony Tony was very different, you know, another one very different than I than I thought going in. But yeah, Kyle Pitts is definitely he's very different. I I think if somebody's going to take him in the first round, I hope they and they should have a very good plan for him um, to utilize him, at, you know, as a just as, as a nice piece in the passing game. That's obviously you know what we're hoping. So. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on an hour 40. I think we covered everything we needed to get to this week here. So I think, uh, again, I want to thank uh, Graham Barfield again. Uh, if you don't know who Graham is, which 
you absolutely do because I think that he brought in about ninety nine percent of the uh, uh, the fan base tonight for the show. The other one percent was supposed to be in bed. Um, but but here, also, yeah, definitely check out Graham Barfield. His Twitter there at Graham <laughs> Barfield. Pretty, pretty easy to figure that part out. Uh, Fantasy points. They got that website. He's he does a bunch of stuff with. Uh, the analytics, he mentioned 30% off. Go over there now. Get that subscription while you get a chance. Calvin, go get that for your dad. He'll love you for a while again. <laughs> Not as much as when you bring John Hansen onto the show for him, but he'll love you. Send him uh, a link, right? Yeah. Yep. Send him that link right away. Maybe even bring your dad onto the show. We'll give him get him in on here too. <laughs> be like, you'll be like son of the year right there. Your brother, oh, yeah. your brother will like disappear, but you, you got this one wrapped up if we, <laughs> if we do that. Um he, he is the creator of the yards created, and it's a fantastic thing. If you follow Matt Harmon, you've seen reception perception. Uh, yards created is basically the college running back equivalent to that. He, he it, It's easy. It's analytics for dummies, for even someone like myself to understand. Very easy. Uh, check that out. He's got a bunch of stuff. And like I said, the team they got over there at Fantasy Points there, uh, John Hansen, Joe Doyle, um, Tom Broly, uh, Scott Barrett, these guys are all over this. Uh, Proctor, uh, they got a great medical team over there too. Edwin's fantastic. He's one of the best out there right now on Twitter. Uh, they've got a great product over there. You're going to want to check that out. It's well worth the subscription. And then you throw in the extra 30% off. It, it, you're not going to find a better deal right now for quality information, especially this draft season. Uh, and like I said, he's 65%. I gave him a little bit more, too much credit there saying 95, but he's saying 65% hit. 65% hit is still better than the average out there right now. That's you. Position on anything. 65%. Heck, if you're hitting 650 in Major League Baseball, forget about it because mm-hmm. no one hits more than 400. You know what I'm saying? So you definitely want to check out those products. Calvin, Jeff, last word to you. We don't know what this actually means. It's not really actually last word. I just try to be nice and tell you guys last word and I come in and say something. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, man, I don't even have anything. Yeah. Well, actually, I'll be. Um, I have a couple profiles up on pinned on my Twitter page at JM Thrive PT. Um, I have Tua. I need to put Kittle on there. I already have his done. Um, I have Debo Samuel done. I'm almost done with Cortland Sutton. Working on a uh, Saquon Barkley one, and then I'll touch on a couple more injured guys, um, and then inputting my rookie injury information into destination Devi and then uh, in the Patreon over with Ray GQ and then um, with the IDP magazine. So, looking forward to it. It's a lot of, a lot of prospects. Oh, great. Sweet. You haven't found out yet, but I'm recruiting you as a ranker now too on the <laughs> offensive side. So you'll be getting those Google sheets here shortly as well. <clears throat> Very cool. What do you got? Yeah, so um, make sure you're subscribed to this channel because uh, over the next over the next few weeks, we're going to be going through all 32 teams. I'm going to be interviewing somebody who is a fan of every team, at least at least one somebody, and we're going to be talking about the 2020 season. We're going to be talking about the off season. Um, we're going to uh, let everyone tell me how stupid I am on my rankings. Um, and and why their favorite players should be higher, and that's uh, that's what I want. And it's going to be fun. We're gonna we're gonna ha- try to have a little bit of fun with it. Um, it's a little bit of a different format, but that is going to start tomorrow. 
with Matt Donnelly, FF. Um, maybe Dingus will come out. I'm kind of hoping that. Uh, and Salito. And we're going to be talking about the Las Vegas Raiders. So, what, what, what better way to kick it off, though, than uh, with Sal? You know what I'm saying? Right. Sal, Sal's one of the great guys out there. Uh, we did this thing with Matt Williams last year. Sal and I, we jumped on the show, talked Raiders football, and it was a blast. And uh, we look forward to it this year. And I'm looking forward to these guests that you're bringing in. So just so you know, this is this is Calvin's baby here. This is all Calvin's. Hit him up. You want to talk about your favorite team? Mm-hmm. Hit up at Calvin and Hobby. Jump into his DMs. Say, hey, I want to be. I want to do the Eagles. He's got lots of room to do the Eagles for. He, he'll stick twelve people in the same room. I've got like seven people wanting to do the Eagles right now. So I've got to figure out how I'm going to pull that off. Are they all the head coach candidates? Yeah, maybe. So that, that's fourteen. They're up to fourteen interviews. No, they're up to eighteen. Is it really? 18? Well, okay. I was, they're, they're up to, I, was being, I was hoping no one was going to fact check me. I was they're up to it. Up. Well, I, I posted about it earlier. That's the only reason I knew. With Kellen Kellen Moore, he was number eighteen of interest. They've interviewed eleven, and they yeah, the other seven were were rumored as interests. So my understanding is how these interviews are going. Hey, do you, are you going to let Carson Wentz be your starting quarterback? No. Next, I think that's yeah. how the interview process is going right now. <laughs> Uh, Did you see that nugget that it was leaked that they're telling these candidates that um, that Carson Wentz can be fixed? Like, can you imagine that being like, how degrading is that if you're Carson Wentz, that that is what they're saying? Like, oh, don't worry, he can be fixed. Like, (laughs) like if somebody is like, hey, should I hire Dingus and be like, hey, don't worry, he can be fixed. You know, like, (laughs) okay, well, full disclosure, my wife's been trying to fix me for years and hasn't worked. (laughs) Yeah, uh, how, you think that's bad for Carson Wentz? How do you think Jalen Hurts feels? We'd rather you try and fix a broken Carson Wentz than uh, use a Jalen Hurts. You know what I'm saying? Like that—that's that, got to be the real kicker there. Uh, well, and in your case, Matt, you know the the Manscape, the lawnmower 3.0 won't even fix you because it doesn't nick your balls. You know, it's so effective. So you should go get one. You definitely have to use Vipercast 20 for your code, save 20% off, and get free shipping. Uh, I'm looking at this here right now. We got we got fellow Viper coming in on Thursday there with the Bears. Uh, Roberto uh, RS move there, Roberto Serrano. Uh, we've got Statement Games coming on there. Mark Solano with the Giants. Uh, G-Man Jay, if you don't know Jay, fantastic guy. And we've got the we got uh, Pittsburgh well represented by. Another Canadian there, Will Harris, he's coming on. Viridian Global, you might know him from. Uh, Herb's NFL, he's making some big news here right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eagles, man. The Eagles, like, you don't even have them posted up here yet, but Not I know yet. the True North boys want to get in on that. Uh, and maybe the biggest one here, and it's awesome, is uh, maybe one of the – Mr. 5K himself. Mm. Troy King is going to come in and do the uh, Panthers – or the Dolphins with Dolphins, us. So. yeah. And this is just the start. Like he's got a list here. I think he's got what do you say, like seven shows in five days or something crazy like that. So yeah, I've got five shows coming up over the next three days. Um, and I am almost certainly going to be doing more because there's a there's a little bit of time that's in there. And these are gonna be shorter shows, and like they're gonna be like 20, 30, you know. I I I'm kind of interested in seeing some of these they might go longer depending i'm kind of curious with sal if we're gonna if i got sal and you on a podcast how in the world am i going to keep that to 30 minutes i'm not really sure (laughs) um 
So some of these might go a little bit longer, but the idea is, you know, just get a chance to kind of talk about the team, talk about what we want to see in the offseason. Because look, in Dynasty, like we're Dynasty Vipers, right? We we focus so much of the community right now. If you just search through your Twitter, it's all draft and it's prospects and all this stuff. And that is obviously important. But we need to know who's driving these cars because you can have a Ferrari of a prospect, but if you put my wife driving the Ferrari, it's not going to produce very good results. <laughs> um, Don't let her see that comment. Let me make sure comment. she's asleep. Hang on. Let me make sure she's not. Uh... Just so you know, I don't edit anything. I've been there now. <laughs> no, I'm good. She doesn't. She doesn't listen to the show at all. Um, you know, but if if you got like Your son's some... still watching though. Yeah, that's true. Don't Eli. Eli, come on, buddy. No, look, bro code right here. Bro code. Um, no, but if you like, like J.K. Dobbins is an amazing prospect, but if he's going to get 15 carries a game, that's what he's, what he's going to be limited to because that's the system that he's in. You know, it's we, we in other words, we got to pay attention to what's going on with the teams, who's coaching them, pace of play, like Graham was talking about there. I'm surprised he didn't mention the Bengals because they're the ones that I like that, you know, has a great pace of play. Little things like that we're, we're going to get into. We're going to talk about it. And like I said, mo maybe the part I'm most like, I, I've got a change my mind section on here. Like, and I'm, I'm just picturing that guy that's at the college campus that's got the little sign in front of him that he's leaned back and it says change my mind. That's what I'm kind of thinking uh, on that. Got my Dynasty Vipers mug. Change my mind. Nice. That looks good. Whoever designed that must be a genius. Bob Gilchrist, thank you very much. Uh, if you guys don't know, he's not here in the chat room right now, but he's always in the chat. He's with us every show. He's responsible for every graphic you see. Make sure you're following Bob Gilchrist, man. Uh, I think it's Bob Gilchrist FF. He's one of the good ones out there. He puts out great uh, stuff. And he's got the Dynasty uh, Time Machine. Dynasty Time Machine there with uh, Bosch. You're going to want to check out that podcast. They're always doing some good stuff with T, uh, the Dynasty Trade Calculator. I'm getting a little bit of feedback here right now, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, and, of course, stick tuned, like, subscribe these videos here. We got a huge guest list coming in. We're super excited about everyone that's coming through here. Uh, yeah, can't go. we got the spotlight. And I've got a little thing I want planned with Jeff. He doesn't know it yet, but uh, Jeff may be doing some videos on here as well. So he doesn't accept it. He doesn't even know what I'm talking about. So I'll have to tell him after the show. So I don't want to. I don't want to put it on here. Although it would be very dingus like of me just to tell him what he's doing right here, right now, wouldn't it? Without him accepting don't even, it. Don't even give me an option. No, just, here you go. Here it is. This is what we're doing. Um, but you have to wear a stethoscope when you do the show. No. Uh, that kind of doctor. Doctor. And we're, I'm gonna say, I'm so I'm gonna play the music. But this is gonna be your intro, like Doctor, Doctor, give me the news. I gotta my keys of Achilles tendon. Because I don't, I, I if I do that, I can't monetize the show. Because you know our whole twenty viewers that catch the show would absolutely be crushed. Um, that said, thanks again, Graham. Appreciate you and your time. Uh, uh, we learned a lot having you on here, and I hope people who viewed the show today learned something too. And yeah. when they go into their fantasy drafts, they can kind of go in with an open mind, especially if they get that 30% off at fantasy points. Um, again, for Calvin, Jeff, myself, and Graham, uh, if I can find the end button, there we go. We gone. This is why 